You're listening to Episode 8 of the Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. Today's episode is brought to you by Total Absolute Mind Spinning Chaos. Bored? Turn on the mainstream media. It'll be Total Absolute Mind Spinning Chaos. On today's show, FBI Director Comey's letter to Congress. Trick? Treat? Or propaganda? The objectives to this relentless media psyop and what to look out for. Here's Monica Perez. This is indeed episode eight of the Propaganda Report, where we tell you how the news creates the world, the perception of the world, and not how what's happening in the world creates the news. And it's never been more obvious to me than in this election cycle that reality is being created by the mainstream media. So this week, the big story was this letter that James Comey sent to Congress saying, or sent the Senate, I guess Congress overall, I think it was direct, uh, directed for sure to Dianne Feinstein and others. Uh, actually, let me, let me, let let me just say that the letter is where Comey is re is telling Congress that although he closed the investigation of Hillary into the emails behind Benghazi or whatever, that he was looking into whether she mistreated, mishandled classified information, that something has come up that is making him consider reopening the case. And what, what came up was Huma Abedin, her aide, Hillary's aide's husband, Anthony Weiner. Hillary's girlfriend's husband. <laughs> that's the uh, salacious gossip. I don't know if I believe it. That's probably just another propaganda sidetrack topic. But this guy, so he was being investigated because he was sexting, I guess, or some kind of communication with a 15-year-old, which I guess for some people is still illegal. <laughs> Right. He actually sent a picture of himself laying in bed with his shirt off. Is that when his little kid was in the background? Yeah, his little kid was in the bedroom sleeping. <laughs> but uh, this is he's just communicating digitally with this 15-year-old, whereas we're, we're going to have to save this for another time. But what you sent me, Binkley, from those court documents of the case against Jeffrey Epstein. Yes. Where... These girls were underage sex slaves. They There were like 40 of them underage girls that he had sexual contact with. He had co-conspirators, including at least his associates in, during some of these episodes were Alan Dershowitz, Bill Clinton, Prince Andrew, all right. these guys. And <clears throat> the Ken Starr, who was Jeffrey Epstein's lawyer, among other lawyers for Epstein, conspired to have all this stuff brushed under the rug. Nobody, uh, there was no protection for the victims, none of that. And here is this big, big story about Anthony Weiner, who's been in the news before for this. There's already been a documentary made about him. And still this stuff goes on, still he rolls it out. So <clears throat> I, of course, have thought for a long time already that the Weiner thing is a psyop. And <clears throat> and uh, I will say, I have to point this out. I had been pointing this out already before this latest uh, uh, wiener psyop, the latest elements of that. that so many wiener psyops. 
It's the perfect vehicle for a psyop. <laughs> so that that seems to me all of our news is coming from not sources, not evidence, not people, but leaked emails, all of it. Like if you, I saw this, this pattern arise before this thing, and I just jotted down, it was off the top of my head, all the sources of leaked emails. They, it started with Guccifer, don't forget that, a couple of years ago. Uh, now there's Guccifer 2. There's the FBI through this investigation of the classified emails on the private server. Judicial Watch, once the FBI was not allowed to, had no reason to publicly release all these emails, Judicial Watch got, which is a, a private like blog, got a court order to have access to those emails, to depose witnesses completely, completely. I, I cannot see any basis in law for that. Uh, then there was the Russia, Russia supposedly hacked the DNC. Then there, now there's all this WikiLeaks stuff with the Podesta emails. And now this uh, uh, Anthony Weiner thing. I mean, you have to see some kind of bizarre pattern here of that all of our information is coming from supposedly by peeking behind the curtain. Like, wow, this must be the real truth because she never thought her private emails would be hacked. Whereas there is a, a video of her from years ago with this guy's last name was Paul. He went to jail, I think for campaign finance fraud. He was a big donor of hers and he had a fundraiser for her. Yeah. And there's this Paul. like, yeah, I know it's definitely not his name. So her, so, uh, she, it said on the video, she said, Oh, I never use email. I've been investigated so many times. I would never write anything important in an email. This is like a hidden video of her. So this whole email thing absolutely smacks of a psyop. And then that culminated this week in this letter that James Comey wrote, which folds in the email psyop, which I have talked about before with the art of ambiguity. So I'm going to read the, the letter and I want you to listen for uh, my feeling about this, that ambiguous issues come up just to stir up they are focused on created just to stir up conflict so it started i think the first one i noticed was the zimmerman trayvon martin thing where it was really who was right was really you could take either side same thing with the bundy ranch thing they were talking about federal land so there is real ambiguity there but even in the political realm you have Donald Trump, who says kind of everything, and you can pick into he actually says the opposite of what he of he actually says uh, within days of each other, as and and that was that's always ambiguous. And then Obama was also ambiguous by saying nothing, so you could just throw whatever you could project onto him anything you you thought. So I'm going to read the FBI letter. Uh, Binkley, did you read this? Did you read the letter directly yourself? I skimmed through it. I'm going to have to listen. All right, no, it's short. Yeah, so let me read it to you, and you can enjoy the ambiguity. So this is James Comey, the head of the FBI, writes this letter uh, on heading, letterhead from the Department of Justice, the FBI. It goes to the uh, a bunch of committees, uh, and it says, Dear Messieurs Chairman, in previous congressional testimony, I referred to the fact that the Federal Bureau of Investigation, in parens FBI, had completed its investigation of former Secretary Clinton's personal email server. Due to recent developments, I am writing to supplement my previous testimony. 
In connection with an unrelated case, the FBI has learned of the existence of emails that appear to be pertinent to the investigation. I'm writing to inform you that the investigative team briefed me on this yesterday, and I agree that the FBI should take appropriate investigative steps designed to allow investigators to review these emails to determine whether they contain classified information, as well as to assess the, their importance to our investigation. Now, if that all wasn't ambiguous enough, listen to this concluding paragraph. Although the FBI cannot yet assess whether or not this material may be significant, and I cannot predict how long it will take us to complete this additional work, I believe it is important to update your committees about our efforts in light of my previous testimony. So let me just tell you all the things that I <laughs> are wrong about this. We have no idea what's in it or if it's important. We have no idea when we're actually going to be able to look at them or tell you what we think. But we thought that we should make a public statement to the world, lighting a fire about something we have absolutely no idea. There is that, no way this is the normal protocol for releasing totally unknown information that would make a huge thing. And all over the Wall Street Journal were articles about how uh, the FBI and, and Department of Justice really steer, steer clear of anything controversial right before an election. Uh, they just felt they had to do that. You know, the Department of Justice even objected to it. This guy... Works for the Department of Justice. It's like announcing. It's like saying, we don't really know any of the details yet, but we would like to make an announcement that the person you're about to elect as president could potentially be a mass murderer. <laughs> but so we really have no details yet. We have absolutely – we don't even know if – there's just an envelope that's sealed, and it might say that in it. But it might it might actually say that she's not. Across the front of it. We <laughs> haven't opened it yet. It just says evidence. <laughs> And we're going to open it. We just got it. So we're going to open it like right after we finish with this press conference. (laughs) You know, like you can just. So I I got a great email uh, saying, I think it's from Andre, saying uh, he obviously other people feel the same way as uh, at least I do. What do you think about the latest FBI email nonsense? I hate to get caught, caught up in all the propaganda. I do, too, because it's. It's drawing us in on purpose, obviously. Yeah. Uh, it clearly means something and was done for a reason. I agree with that. A lot of people are saying they're just reopening this case to exonerate Hillary once and for all before the election and have Abedin take the fall. But one, that makes no sense. All it does is damage Hillary. Uh, both the story itself and anything happening to Abedin, yes, is bad for her. I agree with that. This clearly wasn't a rogue reopening. Something this sensitive had to be approved from way up. I agree with that. And two, there's no way anything will get resolved in nine days. Some people are saying it's to take attention away from WikiLeaks, which is total crap, obviously. (laughs) Because the WikiLeaks is one of this long line of email psyops. It's so bizarre to me that they take, they see a tactic that works, and they just churn and burn and churn and burn like the, well... There's a lot of them that they'll dry up like this will stop as soon as it burns out and people are like more email leaks. But this is literally the sixth or seventh email leak resource. Uh, And so I agree. It's complete crap. It's definitely not to take away from the WikiLeaks thing, which is obviously also a psyop. Well, you know, I just thinking about that. I I don't really think it hurts. I don't think it hurts Hillary at all, to be honest with you. I I don't I think it 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 hurts her in the eyes of people who already don't like her. It doesn't reading through reading through Facebook. Everybody on Facebook who supports Hillary 
is uh, uh, is is saying, oh, it's they're just they're finding a way to rationalize it into their how they already perceive Hillary, and they're blaming it on other people. So it's setting her up to. Um, I mean, it's not going to change the opinion of the people. Who no, it actually, uh, when I first did my very first show on Emailgate a long time ago, I said this makes her look like a victim. I mean, this is somebody yeah. who could be accused of murder, you know, whose husband could be accused of rape. And they're saying, what does the C mean on top of her emails? Because if the C means classified, she's bad. And, it's, and then anybody who's not already like in that your Algis Huxley's 20% of people who don't believe anything. And there's 20% of people who believe everything. If you're not in that category, if you're in the middle, which let's call them the independents, it's to say that the worst thing you can find on Hillary is, is whether she saw the C on the email or not, or, or had a, is it's ludicrous because she's done. So she, her, the accusations that have, that, I would say have some validity towards, you know, behind them, at least some evidence to support are very egregious fraud, right. uh, you know, murder. Well, here's what I tell people whenever a new email thing come, comes out. I've been saying this for the past year. I, I, I've been saying, oh, well, another new email release. Here's why this is never going to matter, because if they are to arrest Hillary for emails, her reaction would be, do you know how many people I've killed? My husband <laughs> – Allegedly rapes people, and you're getting me for emails. <laughs> oh, it was like when uh, Rick Perry and Michelle Bachman had it out in a, in, a, in a debate. She said, "I saw where you got five thousand dollars to push Gardasil." He just burst out laughing. This was from like twenty twelve. He's like five thousand dollars. You think I can be bought for five thousand dollars? I'm not that cheap. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's like, just. Wait a second. Of, of How all much the times, you know, it's it's yeah. So uh, I I was thinking about this. Why? You know, I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about what the what is the what's the point? You no, know, just real quick. Like, for let me just say about the emails. To do it this way. To throw the emails out as the source of information, what I was getting sick of was you every I, I would tell people this who don't want to believe that the mainstream media is full of whatever made up stuff. <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> believe that? Right? I guess I'm guess oh, I'm so used to it. Uh, <laughs> no, there's there's like I guess I'm gonna say millennials. <laughs> you know, a lot of millennials get it. And when I tell people like from above millennial in age, my <laughs> peer group, they, they're like, oh, the millennials get it. You're telling me the millennials get it. I'm like, yes, the millennials get it. But people, like, especially like the baby boomer generation, they can't. And I told, I, I mentioned this once before when I talked to these separate people in separate incidences when I said, don't take anything from the mainstream media at face value if it's not backed up by evidence. And if it's like some source unauthorized to comment you have to you have to discount that if it doesn't have a name behind the source someone who's going to own that statement as true you just cannot believe any of this stuff that's not in evidence and these people threw their hands up in exasperation if you have to actually back it up you can't believe anything in the mainstream media that's ridiculous and i was like yes that's a great place to start and right. it is a great place to start. But I, but what I used to tell people was to go look at the articles and any time there was a source that was not authorized to comment and therefore did not have a name attached, you cannot – you can't believe that. 
that that stuff is is there to not be true. But that was probably getting a little bit old. Whereas if you have these emails that are clearly the raw people, this is Podesta, this is Hillary, this is Chelsea. Like they had Chelsea saying, I'm concerned about this guy, Brand, because I have very high ethical standards and I think he might be leading my dad down the garden path. You know, I mean, that's just a, a made whatever. Seems to me it's a very convenient device, these emails to get you to absolutely believe it as the raw truth. So if there isn't stuff like, well, we all know the Rockefellers are running the world or whatever, if it isn't stuff like that, then you think that stuff isn't even there. And if it says stuff like Chelsea has these high ethical standards that's setting her up for future career where she's distanced from uh, her parents, you know, like the Corleone thing, like they want the kids to go straight or to seem straight anyway, I, I, I just feel like the emails are quite a device to change, to to have plausibility in in a in a medium that has lost all the trust of the of the mainstream audience. Right to provide a source where usually there is no source. Yeah, but a source that's above reproach that you can't possibly think there's an ulterior motive because this stuff was behind closed doors. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's one thing it accomplishes. It accomplishes a whole a whole lot. Yeah, now I want to talk about that. Go. Is is one thing it, is it, it internet control. It, this this could lead to more internet controls oh, from the government. Great one. That's not even on my list. It's it's just the more these things come out and the more our leaders, so to speak, are in jeopardy, the more they're going to have to call calls for regulation because they're going to say social media. Everybody puts their entire lives on social media. Twenty years from now, we're not we're we're not going to be able to elect a president because everything anyone says is going to be is going to be put up as a headline. So we're going to have to establish more government controls over social media and over internet. That, that reminds me of that clip I sent you of Obama saying that we need to have some kind of truthiness test. Truthiness, that's the word he used yeah, yeah. for the internet. And I also had a note about these emails, like how hilarious it is to suggest that the elites have no privacy. These these poor elites, they can't even send privates to, privates to each other. <laughs> they can't even send emails to each other yeah, without yeah. their private, which is not believable. It's right. not, yeah. and it'll be done in the name of in the name of privacy. So it'll be we. Need, oh yes, yeah, and that's what it'll be done in the name. More internet. Let the government totally control the internet, which I think they'll also use virtual reality as a way to 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 help continue to make that possible, and it'll be so we can protect your privacy. The virtual reality thing. When when we talk about the propaganda report, how the news creates the world. Can you imagine when virtual reality creates the news? Oh yeah, I've 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 I actually was making a video. I haven't finished it yet, but about that exact thing, because there was somebody who came out recently. There's stories about people getting sexually assaulted through vir- virtual reality. What? And uh, the, just the way the stories were presented, it, it, it's absolutely. Yes, there are trolls on the internet, no doubt about that. But the the cases that are presented are so it's not at all sexual assault. It's <laughs> it's two floating disembodied hands moving around the air, <laughs> and and someone acting like they they're trying to make Can't you think figure that out how you, to turn it off. Yeah, I mean, it, this the story was like this girl was like, I was in there, and suddenly after killing all these zombies, after killing all these zombies, okay. My the 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 person who was playing with me because you play with people on the internet he turned and he started grabbing my virtual chest and I'm sitting here going 
you got to be you got to be kid. Both both players are, are they're a floating helmet and two floating hands, and there is no body there. So from his perception, if he was he would maybe he's trying to look for your chest. I don't know because there is no chest there. But she was saying that I felt so violated. <laughs> He goes, I screamed, stop. And I'm just sitting here imagining because she was at somebody's house playing. I'm imagining being in the kitchen and hearing someone scream, stop. <laughs> He's dropping everything and running in there. And, and, right. and she was like, and then he was chasing me around. And then you just see this person in your living room just running circles with his headset on going, stop, <laughs> stop, stop. I'm like, take the headset off. For- <laughs> that's actually worse than being chased by a zombie i was like you go in there especially in atlanta you think they're going to chase you by a zombie right but the key thing the the thing that they're establishing with this and they're also doing this with these the people who are accusing donald trump because the people who are accusing donald trump they're not actually presenting crimes they're not even trying to they're not even doing it for the purpose of prosecution they're just doing it so they can get 15 16 17 18 so they can say a high number um, but yes. it's, it's all based on subjective feeling, and that's what this uh, VR thing is. Is it's based on how the person who feels violated subjectively feels. So it's thought yeah. control essentially. That's and, interesting because the subjectivism is a is an essential element of the fundamental change of our culture. Yeah, and they can apply it to virtual reality because virtual reality is a new realm that we don't have laws to yet, and it and it goes across international bounds. So any laws applied to it, we're gonna they're gonna be subject to international control. Dude, when I see the vision that all this stuff implies, you know, what it looks like it's going to be from driverless cars to virtual reality to total surveillance to total war, it's it, it's overwhelming, and I feel like it's undeniable, but so many people who communicate with me directly from my radio show on Facebook and Twitter and email, I mean, a lot of people are just like, it's like my mom when I tell her, like, I think Trump is fake. They they're continue, continually uh, shocked that I think that's like, you, you can't think it's that bad. I'm like, like well, who do you think's going to win? I'm like, well, I, 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 <laughs> Hillary's going to win. <laughs> what are you thinking? And it, that, it's, yeah. it's so, it's so crazy. It's so crazy. It's easy to get caught up in all the propaganda. I mean, but the digital stuff is, yeah. uh, is the scariest. And Facebook and, and Google are, have been testing They've been testing uh, virtual reality stuff for the past couple of years. They're laying the foundations for it. It's going to be in every single industry. It's going to be. It's going to touch every aspect of our personal lives because social media is going to be a virtual reality experience. So this subjects us to total control, thought control, to policing, to where, where we can commit crimes within the virtual reality world based on how we look or gesture towards someone, and it and it establishes um, international control over every aspect that virtual reality touches. Which is everything. Can I interject something a little just I have to just interject this little point from the journal this week that's has to do with policing. Yeah. That I, I'll put this in the show notes that uh liberal, I guess like civil libertarians or whatever on the left, which I'm a hardcore libertarian, but there are a lot of people who care about civil liberties on the left. And that was the crowd that was objecting to the militarization of the police two years ago when I started talking about this. And in the article, it said that the the people who in that category who thought very highly of the police leapt from 50% in 2015 to 70% right now. So the piece, and it's 100% a result of the black versus blue psyop. 
that that I have always said, and you agreed, has diverted our attention from the militarization of the police, the overreach, the coming of the police state. So all of this stuff just ties together in that I think you're really onto something with these email leaks, which I did not see, that they they have to make they have to flip everything. So freedom equals security. Uh um exposure equals privacy, you know, like keep putting a back door in all the, that's what they say. They're, they're saying right. like they, yeah. the FBI wants to put a back door in all your internet stuff so that you can be safer. But of yeah. course it makes you way more vulnerable and they get everything. So these psyops are designed to flip our natural instincts about these coming changes. Yeah, exactly. Different interpretation of the words of the, uh, the, the, the words we hold dear, I guess. Yes. So what I'd like to do is what what came out of that that email and what we were was coincidental is exactly what we wanted to talk about on the show and what what we have just started to talk about is what could be the purposes of these psyops my of the email stuff my specific question what I've really been trying to puzzle through and you just said it and I agree there are many purposes, and multitasking is a big thing for these psyops. They really want to serve more than yeah. one purpose. And if they don't, they can shoehorn it in and just act like it does. So, for example, well, rules for radicals. Saul Alinsky was the first one to say that. Like, even if your thing goes completely wrong and makes no sense, just use it. So, like, Assad is fighting ISIS. We're like, well, we have to fight Assad because we want to defeat ISIS. It's like, okay, that doesn't even make sense. That's an improv, that improvisational comedy, Maxim, also. Yeah. Whatever happened. Ash, Ash Carter's a great improv guy. Yeah, Solinsky was guess. hilarious on stage. <laughs> hey, who knows? You know, who knows if he was just 100% a performer or whatever. Uh, yeah. Obviously, he uh, was designed to elicit a response. But these all have uh, a lot of different, often have more than one purpose and they can be manipulated even if they don't make sense. So right. let's let's talk about uh, what the purpose right. is of the things that are coming out now, not just the emails, not just Comey, uh, but all the stuff that's making Hillary look really bad right now. The Project Veritas videos, which we've talked about before, if you haven't seen them, I'll put them in the show notes. It's where people are getting fired for starting problems on purpose, starting fights at Trump rallies. They take uh, credit for stopping the Chicago rally. This is James O'Keefe. But uh, there's some evidence that the Koch brothers support Project Veritas. And the Koch brothers have also said that they prefer Hillary. So this stuff makes her look bad. I don't think it's going to sway the election. I I just wonder why they're doing it. One obvious reason is to make the election look real, but I think there are a lot more uh, tasks. Yeah, I, see, I the the Co the Cox brothers or Coke Coke brothers it's pronounced Coke Coke. Their support of Hillary, I, it, it, to me, it's they have hated Donald Trump for like thirty years. Oh really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that, that they're who Trump battled in New York. They were they were like one of them was isn't that who Trump battled when with the ice ring thing? Oh was it no, no, no. Or, that was Mayor Koch. That's spelled exactly the same way. 
Mayor oh, okay. Ed I'm getting them confused then. Yeah, no, they're not related. Okay. No, yeah, never mind. The Koch that's brothers. Wrong people. <laughs> that's totally fine. But it's good that you clarified it because people are going to want to understand this. The Koch brothers, I do, I get this way. I like go off about without explaining who people are. Uh, the Koch brothers were the guys who, there's several of them. I think their money came from oil and gas. They're known to be libertarians. O- Obama attacks them directly. But what, but, what they are to me, they support the the corporatization of the libertarian message. So they kind of took over Reason Foundation, Reason Magazine. They took over the Cato Institute. These things that used to be hardcore libertarian outlets are now uh, a great example is the GMO thing. All those outlets who should have said GMO labeling should be voluntary said uh, – that GMO labeling, yes, should not be mandatory like the Greens want, but it should be banned. It should be banned. They were in favor. Reason Magazine was in favor or wrote an article, gave a lot of attention to discrediting uh, this anti-GMO report. It's all this. Anyway, I'm just giving an example of how these guys uh, are, the, when it comes to libertarianism, some people think Ron Paul is the controlled opposition. I do not think so. I think the Koch brothers control the opposition, not because they're liberals, but because they're corporatists. How they're do they cronies. get their money? Are they're, they Coca-Cola? I think it's oil and gas. Oil and, o- gas. Oil and gas. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so what I'm saying is these leaks like James Comey in the FBI, he's going to work for Hillary. Uh, he works for the department of justice. He's not out there making Hillary look bad for the, for the good of the country. He's, you don't get that far up if you don't take your orders seriously. And like the Project Veritas, so all this stuff is coming out, and Trump saying all this stuff about rigged elections, all this stuff is coming out that on the face of it makes Hillary look bad. Why, what are the purposes of that PSYOP? And I just might want to add with all this email stuff, thousands and thousands of emails, I understand that's a huge project. I still think it's a PSYOP. I think these PSYOPs, I mean, when you think about some of, uh, uh, of the, the scale of some of these manufactured events, this fits right in. Yeah. It's, I mean, everything to a certain extent that we get on the news has, either short range or long range psychological operation purposes. So, yes. I, 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 so, so what are the tasks here? What are the, what's the agenda? item? What are the agenda items for uh, bringing this uh, anti Hillary thing, rigged election thing, you know, what, what this conflict is coming all the way up to the election. Is that, cause that's not always the case. So a lot of times they know they're going to lose Bob Dole. I think knew he was going to lose. So, you go right up to the election with this. Is it to me? Is it simply to keep ratings going and make the election look real? I think those are reasons, but that's definitely. I is mean, that it? yeah, they, they're they're going to keep generating interest in it, just like uh, television drama. But one of the main one of the main things about um, about like long long range, like especially like election type propaganda, is the. It's com- the government gains legitimacy by getting compliant by compliance. So they they're trying to they they really do want people to vote because voting is compliance, which in turn legitimizes the government. And, and by keeping people interested and driving people to vote and, and to vote for this side or that side, that in a way it, it it makes people have a stake in it. They 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 feel they control the outcome. This is what this is what. Uh, the book called um, Propaganda, Formation of Men's Attitudes. It's like a landmark study on propaganda, but a, a large portion of it talks about this. Um, 
democracies must drive people to, to, to vote because the people must feel – and he's even like, even though they don't have a say in it, they must feel like they have a say in it. Like basically he talks about how the government so wants powerful. to do something. They want to do this and – do what? That's why democracy is such a powerful tool for totalitarianism. That's, whereas, what he, that's exactly what he talks like, about. Monarchy is not a powerful tool for – totalitarianism because every single solitary subject knows he's not the king yes and he demands accountability from the king whereas democracy if you're convinced that that 51 percent of your neighbors are responsible it's it's you resign yourself to it right and that's that's the whole that's the whole idea of it and it's all the government picks what they want then they have to shape public opinion to to make the public believe that they chose it and that's the yeah, whole but idea i actually of- i think that there is a layer of this that's that where democracy itself gets so much feedback, like it's not we're not a demo, we're not a democracy, we're not a democratic republic, we're a constitutional republic, whatever. Okay, I get yeah. it. I understand the nuances. I I know a republic means no king. A democracy means you get to vote. A monarchy means there is a king. A uh, constitution means there are foundational laws that you can't violate. I get all that. I'm but when I say democracy itself is in the crosshairs, I'm just referring. I, I'm using the term loosely. I know Obama always calls this country a democracy, and I think that that does have a psychological purpose, which oh, is to get us yeah, to think that. I'm not saying that, but consent of the governed, as represented by us feeling like we have a vote, that we are ultimately the ones who are making these decisions through our representatives, that I think is in the crosshairs here, Because although they would lose a powerful tool if democracy lost the faith of the people – but there's so many signs that they are moving towards a technocracy, and that is one of the th- – technocracy means rule by experts. So uh, in Italy, the elected prime minister or president was replaced by a central banker who was not elected. It was a complete subversion of democracy. It got very little press. It was only a couple of years ago. I, that guy might even still be in power. Uh, but what I see with this, like the uh, – how, how do they ele- – how, how does the person get chosen? He was simply installed. The guy resigned and was replaced. I I don't even – maybe it was a parliamentary thing. I don't remember ever seeing any of that. I think it was the bankers who had them by the the throat. I don't remember. But I I feel like this idea that the people cannot be trusted with the democratic process is the feeling that's coming out of the the left for the Trump – you know, the the Trump – episode yeah, <laughs> the I mean, they, phenomenon is making the yeah. left uh, say that the it, things like foreign policy are just too important to be trusted to the people right and then on the right they're oh, saying yeah. well it's a rigged election it's obviously she's so corrupt she's still getting in and trump said the other day just a side passing comment which shockingly i could not find on the internet but i heard it on the radio he said uh I don't. I'm not crazy about ballots, but if you have to vote using a ballot, make sure it counts. I'm not crazy about ballots. Why would he say that? You know, is he preparing us to advocate for electronic voting? Is that what all this stuff is going to be about? No, uh, run by George Soros, all the voting machines. <laughs> Who? Yeah, is it? Doesn't he own that? Yeah, like in 16 states, I think. Yes. Um, but what you said a second ago about foreign policy. Every single propaganda book, every single book that you read on propaganda or written by government propagandists like Walter Littman, Edward Bernays, um, I mean, and even books about public relations and democracy, every single one of them ha- says this, basically the same thing about foreign policy, and it's this. It's 
the public does not have access to enough information. They haven't traveled to enough places around the world, and they don't understand the deep complexities of foreign policy. But they want to feel like they have a stake in it. So they have to be given something publicly to make them feel like they've made a choice on it. But in reality, they're not, they have no say whatsoever in what goes on in foreign policy. I have two things on that. One is that is why you cannot have an empire out of the American experiment. We, our founders knew, read George Washington's farewell address. You can have neither enemies nor allies. Our oceans allow us to have this experiment with freedom, but you cannot have a democracy that is also an empire. People can't do it. And then the other thing, yeah, good. I was going to say I, I I totally agree with that because I I personally I I don't have the I haven't been to a lot of places that, that would factor into like I don't have the base of knowledge because I haven't explored a lot of the things that would be necessary to form like a well-rounded opinion on a lot of the the foreign and, policy and questions. And you have no right to form an opinion of how the Syrians take responsibility right. for their own sovereignty. It's just you have absolutely no right. Not even to save them. If you want to save them, pitch in, send money to the Pope who wants to save them. You know, it's, I'm he's not got the billions Pope of anything. I know, but that's what I'm saying. He comes <laughs> out and he tells Swedes to open their borders to refugees. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Don't tell other governments to do this stuff. You are the head of a billion people. Tell them that you right. want them to, and then you go and send your your diplomats to Syria and figure yeah. it out. Don't ask us as a government to steal money and kill people. Uh, this goes back to something you were, you were saying a few a few weeks ago. I mean, we've talked about it a, a variety of times, but that the 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 problems and the questions of foreign policy in relation to us they're presented in such this this black and white. Um, these are the enemies. These are the good guys. We have to bomb these guys. We have to help these guys in such black and white terms, which which is not even close to the reality. But that's the way they they throw the questions to us to give us a yes or no decision, so we feel like we have participated. Yeah. Oh, the, oh, yes. The mainstream media frames this stuff. So there's no there's no answer. I mean, that's why you could see with every single person on the primary stage for either party, they all like, well, obviously, military action against ISIS is necessary. The question is, you know, are we doing it for humanitarian purposes or are we doing it for self-defense? I mean, that's just that's an assumption. The assumption is, I mean, Trump, Cruz, Bernie Sanders, all of them completely supported that. But uh, what I love to direct people towards a summary review thing I wrote about Irving Kristol's book on neoconservatism, where he, he, one of the crucial passages, which I repeat there, is where he tells, he said, I was sitting around with a bunch of Republicans, and they were actually talking about what the people wanted. I started laughing, basically, and said, don't you understand your job as an elite is to take these these uh, nebulous ideas, these uh, uh, concepts people have about foreign policy and economics, and to lead these people. The American people have no ability to assess foreign policy and economics, and they know it. So you have to lead them and tell them what you want. And this was like in the 80s, and ever since then, that is because we were shell-shocked by war. So nobody was going to be able to have a war after Vietnam. And he said, enough of that. You need to uh, just lead them into war and they will go. Right, right. Yeah, This in this book, Prop, Pro, Propaganda Formation of Men's Attitudes, when he's talking about foreign policy, one of the quotes is something like, men would rather give a stupid answer than admit their lack of knowledge. 
all like men versus women or no, no all? just in general humans. mankind yes yeah, yes yes yeah. sorry i'm not trying to make you say sexist gender sexist neutral oh, i hate that the book was but, written uh, in the 70s so it's a little uh it doesn't have the uh the the non non-sexist yeah, no no i get it i get it yes uh that sounds right but i but i might actually say that that is something that men would do over women well let's... i think that's possible let's get back to some of the possible purposes of this psyop. And I just wanted to, can I just mention a couple of things that I heard today and yesterday? So the, these leaked emails make Hillary look bad. And the FBI letter from Comey to Congress seems bad, but and I'm trying to figure out why this stuff is coming out now. What purpose does it serve? Because I'm under, you know, I believe uh, my working assumption is that none of this stuff happens at government or at media in the media level. That isn't part of this uh, plan to get Hillary elected or to shape the future, the immediate future or the policies of this country or whatever it is. So one clue might be, I mean, we talked about it perhaps and I think this is for sure, keeps people interested, keeps the ratings up, gets people to vote, uh, makes it still look legitimate and contested and contentious. But yesterday, I think it was, Trump said when he was talking about this FBI letter of Comey to the Congress, he said, maybe it's not as rigged as I thought. Yeah, I saw that. And then today I was just listening to Fox and Kellyanne Conway was on a show and the anchor, they were talking about, he said, your boss uh, says that the media is corrupt. The reporters are corrupt. Do you agree with him? And she said, well, I don't think they're corrupt, but they certainly advocate. They certainly take sides. And the anchor said, and they don't hold Hillary accountable. So then the anchor said, well, you all the coverage WikiLeaks is getting, all the coverage that the Clinton Foundation is getting, surely you must admit that Hillary is held accountable by the media. I mean, they wouldn't be covering it. And she said- they're pretending is what they're doing. (laughs) Well, what Kellyanne Conway said, yeah, because of the Epstein thing, for example, which we'll talk about in one second, but Kellyanne Conway said, yes, when it reaches a certain level, when it's a certain pitch or certain egregiousness, whatever, yes, then they will cover it. So here we have both Trump and Kellyanne Conway telling us, hey, look, if it gets really bad, you hear about it. You're hearing about it. There's right. nothing more than that. You know, it's not worse than that. Whereas the reality is the stuff that's really bad is exactly the stuff that does not get covered, like your Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Right. Yeah, they they they, they, they cover – it's uh, kind of the limited hangout idea in my opinion. They They – they they need to put on the uh, front to make it look like they are being hard on her, when in reality that's actually covering up and diverting attention away from the truly bad stuff. Totally, absolutely, and it has to be plausible. But it was, I was digging in a little bit to the Vince Foster Monica Lewinsky thing, and because Ken Starr is the was one of the lawyers for Jeffrey Epstein and got a non-prosecution agreement that protected all of Epstein's co-conspirators, who might include Clinton, Bill Clinton, Alan Dershowitz, Prince Andrew, all these people. This is Ken Starr, who supposedly, or who was the special investigator against Bill Clinton, getting an impeachment uh, against him for 
the Monica Lewinsky lies and sex, but the original investigations there were around the Vince Foster suicide that really looks like it was a murder. So the Monica Lewinsky thing itself was a diversion yeah. from something much more serious yeah. potentially. And some, something about that real quick uh, – we we've gotten uh, we've gotten access to some some of the uh, the court documents for um, the Jeffrey Epstein case, and what, another one of the things that was interesting is that a, all, a lot of people evaded their subpoenas. A lot of people that they were gonna that were gonna get questioned, and one of them in particular was a woman. Uh, G- Giselle Maxine or something. I can't Oh, I, Maxwell. Maxwell, that's right. Yes, yes, her father was a big I think he was a media guy. I believe he committed Corrupt. suicide. Yeah. Yeah, I think it, he committed suicide and, it, and I think they have Mossad connections. Here's she now she gave the reason that she gave for not being able to respond to her subpoena or her or her deposition was um that her mother was ill and she was out of the country. And the date that it, that I believe her deposition was supposed to happen that she was claiming she was out of the country because her mother was ill was the same day that Chelsea Clinton got married. married. I'd never heard that. She's photographed. (laughs) Yeah. This was in the court document. She's photographed. I saw that coming. Oh my God. Photo. But like, I didn't, I didn't realize that that was actually when she was supposed to be getting deposed. Yes. I've seen that photo too. And this is the first I've heard of what you're saying, but I could just, I was thinking, what is the only date you could possibly know where she is? And I remember that Chelsea Clinton picture, Right. but she was Epstein's procurer. She yes. was one of the people who got the girls uh, lured them to Orgy Island. Right, and for those who don't who don't know, who um, in his in a, in a plea letter to help help him get a, a sweetheart deal, Epstein says that he helped start the Clinton Foundation. And he's a member of the Council of Foreign Relations. He's a member of the Trilateral Commission. This and the document that you're talking about, which I read. That they, it's Ken Starr, it's all these big, big guys. They're, uh, they're conspiring with the FBI to suppress victims' rights and actually, yeah, and they're naming as the victims the procurers. So, so the defendants, they're switching to make them into victims so that they don't have to notify the real victims. It's really unbelievable. And there are, there's some suspicion that I've read. That because of Epstein's very high connections, that he actually, the Lolita Express stuff, was in itself a kind of front operation to get information from these guys by using yeah. these girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's why they got to protect him, but it goes deep. So, yes, I wouldn't be surprised if the Clinton Foundation had, I'd be surprised if they didn't have those kind of. Real deep state connections. Yeah, and, and that's why all that's why all the stuff about the Clinton Foundation to me is just is just a joke unless that stuff is brought up. Yeah. Yes. Right. So that's the thing. That's why these things are really when the rubber hits the road, people are not going to run away screaming from her having a private server, which she obviously isn't going to do anymore. You know. Yeah. So let's talk about a few other possibilities. I one thing I noticed in the paper they were saying. That having this kind of investigation ongoing, maybe it was Trump who said it. Uh, I definitely read it by actual reporters. This is unprecedented. And maybe technically the details are unprecedented, but people, I don't, I don't know if I've ever. Everything's unprecedented. In this one, right. But this isn't actually because Watergate, people don't realize this. Watergate was where these guys broke into the Democratic headquarters 
during the election, before the election. Uh, and Nixon was projected to win by a landslide, and he did win by a landslide. There was absolutely no reason for him to want that. He didn't know about it. Widely regarded as a uh, as a coup to get him removed from office. And when they did it, uh, it was when it was exposed, discovered. Obviously, it was before the election because it was about the election. It was completely exposed, reported on, and Nixon still won by a landslide. Only to be replaced later, not by his elected VP, but by a VP that was installed, Gerald Ford, who had actually also been on the Warren Commission, by the way. So Let's Say that again. Uh, it cut out. Gerald Ford was on the Warren Commission. He invented the magic bullet theory. Uh, and Nixon had... Uh, now what is the magic bullet theory again? Where there was one bullet that went through JFK okay. and also right. hit Governor Connolly. And then that... Uh, so Ford was super, super deep inside, but Nixon was deep inside too. He just wasn't a taker of orders like Reagan and JFK. I mean, these are people they want to get rid of because they're on the inside. They know everything. And then they, they start to get like, Hey man, I'm a man. You can't tell me what to do. I won this office. So not only was Nixon taken out, but his elected VP was taken out. And then Ford and Nelson Rockefeller were installed. So I'm just saying, I don't think Hillary's getting taken out after this, after the election. I don't think this is a way to get Tim Kaine or somebody else in office. It might be. Tim Kaine's but, crazy. They might really he'll, – he'll start. Tim Kaine will commit mass murder in a second. Well, they're all going to no do doubt. that. They're all going to do that. It's going to be World War III for sure or something like – they're definitely going to kill people, yeah. innocent people in the Middle East. That's for sure. I mean that's but, what's coming. But don't forget. World War III. What? World War III. That's what's coming with Hillary. It might not really look like World War Three. It might just be a complete devastation of the Middle East. It might look like World War Three, but and with all the Russia stuff, it looks like that. Yeah. And those the war, world wars are the stepping stones to world government because they say you can't live in a state of anarchy. But don't forget there was there was a, a, a very long running Secret Service psyop where the Secret Service is being presented as incompetent over and over again over the years. So just bear that in mind. Like, I don't, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on that. And I just don't know if Hillary will, you know, get, I, I believe she'll be elected and, or I believe she'll be installed, elected, selected, however you want to say it. But maybe there is something to this stuff where she then gets replaced by somebody who wasn't or could never be actually elected. So let's talk about other reasons behind, uh, the unprecedented nature of this election cycle. What what are the purposes? And one thing that left out at me or whatever, I put the pieces together when I was, I, I took an Uber the other day and the driver was a guy my age uh, who obviously had immigrated from Mexico. And he said that in Mexico- Did, did you get assaulted? <laughs> he did tell me that he was a rapist, but he was reformed. He's giving you foreknowledge, like you have to do in the virtual reality world. You have to clarify. I'm not here to, to rape you. I'm only here to, to kill your oh. player. Oh, that's hilarious because my son was reading to me this fake Craigslist ad, which just cracks me up no end. It's a guy, and his tagline is, I will not murder you. It's like, go out on a date with me. I will not murder you. 
I like to dig holes and sharpen tools, but it's not because I'm, I guarantee you, you will get home at the end of the night. And I'm like, what? It's really taking all the excitement out of a Craigslist date <laughs> by doing that. I, mean, I was like, hey, kids, have you ever seen anything like that? <laughs> Don't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. That's definitely, this guy was a super nice guy. I would be very surprised if you were a rapist. Uh, but he was saying how the uh, the campaigns in Mexico are like that. They're like circuses. And a, a friend of mine's Brazilian, and she was saying how one of their senators or, yeah, was it a clown, like a face makeup circus clown. And I mean, so I was like countering with Al Franken, who was a SNL writer, Saturday Night Live clown. But the, this one up to me with the Brazil, and then this guy was saying, that they're absolutely circuses. So I was thinking that one of, you know, election spending is way down. I feel like this is a transformative moment for our campaigning too, in a, a multifaceted way. One is they're descent. They're making the campaign descend to where it's not serious and it's not expensive and they can use the circus element of it as content for the mainstream media, get ratings up, get the commercial, the ad sales, make us pay for our own indoctrination. And and that this is a result of the fact that we basically have one party now. It's as if finally, in uh, you know, it's always been like this in a way, but I feel like it's it's actually on the table now where like the mafia, supposedly, they were all fighting it out on the corners. And then they said, hey, man, we need to form a coalition here. Why waste our money? Or it's like when when companies price fix, why spend our money on competition when we could cooperate, make the pie way bigger and just pretend like we're competing? So if they do it that way and they really control it at that level, like we have a real olig oligarchy here where like Rupert Murdoch is in on it with John Boehner and David Axelrod or whatever, you know, I don't I'm just saying if they do it like that, they don't have to waste their money on that campaign. They can actually make money camp with this circus that we're being delivered. And uh, it dumbs the whole thing down. So like, if you looked at this from outside, you think of Hillary as like a serious person. Trump is a businessman. But what if like from the outside or, or in retrospect, you look back and thought of it as like dumb and dumber, like it was a movie, you know, <laughs> like, like that's what it's really here. And that's that, Thing I've been talking about the total merger of content and and the commercial. The the content is also a commercial. Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, the circus aspect of it is that that's that's how. I mean, unfortunately, that is kind of where we've where we've come to because there's so many distractions in society that to even get our attention, everybody has to propagandize us, even people that we might support, even people who might have our best interest in mind, simply to get our attention and, and leave memorable impressions on our mind. They have to propagandize us. Otherwise, it's boring and we change the channel or we go check social media or we go check Twitter. So we have set up this society where the only way people are going to get our attention is by putting on a, an elaborate, overdramatic show. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think it's a function of this what has been revealed over the decades, the dumbing down of America, that we've been intentionally 
robbed of critical thinking. Like the senator's kids and Obama's kids go to these elite schools where they know darn well, not only critical thinking, but the art of rhetoric, of influence, which has been yeah. deliberately excised from modern right. education. That they rhetoric. They three languages by the fifth grade in those schools. People yeah, don't realize and- Obama went to a, a school in Hawaii, a private oh, school. yeah. It's like 50,000 bucks a year now. Back then, I don't know what it was. but And look at the list of alums. Yeah, two of those languages are Greek and Latin. So they're going to learn. Really, it's true. So they they have a whole different uh, world, but we we are being, you know, sheep-eyed. Right. Yeah, yeah. I know. I totally agree. I I, I think another another result uh, of this election cycle is – it's going to be a psychological study and using social media as the social media as a new emerging form of of communication, which goes back to that uh, try to gain control of the entire internet. And uh, so, social media will there will be studies done on this election. There already have been in the past couple, but the ability to mobilize uh, a crowd through Facebook and through Twitter and through all the forms of social media is something that is going to be studied and will be will be implemented in the way that uh, politics are handled um, from here on out. And it's not just the studying. It's also the data. that. Oh, that right. So yeah, you've yeah. got like that Cambridge Analytics or Analytica, whatever it's called, was working for Cruz. Now it's working for Trump. I mean, they're collecting data. They're analyzing data. They're paid as consultants because they are saying, telling you how to manipulate it, how to use it. But they they are really, I think, whoever owns that, is going to be paid off in spades. Oh, right. Yeah, social media is, uh, again, I, I, I can't remember who said it, but it's a self-generating intelligence dossier. That's the best <laughs> one that I've heard. Self-generating. That's what's so funny. There's a fake news clip video where the guy, it's like the uh, FBI guy, CIA guy, might have mentioned this before, where it looks like real news, and he's just testifying before Congress, and they're saying, did you, did you create Facebook to get people to... Uh, tell you everything about themselves. He said, no, but it's amazing. It's people send us all. I mean, we use it now, of course, but they just send us every, the most intimate details of their lives, pictures that aren't even legal. I mean, stuff that we could never, ever get. They voluntarily dump everything about themselves into this, into this vat. (laughs) We can hardly keep up with it. Right. It's the whole, like Facebook is like, is it's the whole idea of if we people, we don't even I mean we do but we don't even think about it when we're using these social media um, outlets is somebody might somebody might say ask you for your social security number and you'll be just offended by it and then you'll go on Facebook and be like I can't believe they tried to get me to give them my social security <laughs> number which is the exact same thing as my birthday and it's just like right and they are your birthday like I'm not going to tell you how old I am like the like the women who put that video up that triggered the Charlotte riots where they they were being interviewed by the mainstream media, which was reporting it. It was on Fox. It was referred to on Fox news. And they said, she said, he's my brother. The victim is my brother. They said, what's your name? She said, I'm not giving you my name. It was like, uh, (laughs) well, if you're what proof that you're his brother, I'm not, I'm not giving you proof. And She's uploading it to Facebook. And, and, uh, if she is his sister, surely her name will be a matter of public record pretty quickly, especially if she's uploading, you know, these videos. If she wanted privacy, I'm saying, uh, I would think Facebook right. live streaming is something. Yeah, yeah. No privacy okay. there. I, w- I want to uh, make a couple of other points while we're on this subject of the one party. 
the one party now. There were a couple of articles in the journal this week, which I will link to. One was, it was the way I looked at it. I, I think I sent them to you. One was Hillary is a Republican and the other was Trump is a Democrat. It was, you know, it didn't say that, but it was like uh, this election shows foreign policy mixed up uh, where Hillary's the hawk and Trump is the dove. And then another article was uh, the imperial presidency will thrive under either party. Tim Kaine wants to block the AT&T merger, but so does Donald Trump. And so here they they are doing, uh, they're crossing over on the parties. The parties are kind of merging into one party ideologically, as well as I think behind the scenes. Yet the divisiveness has reached a crescendo. It's absolutely the most divisive, most polarized. And that was this, uh, that's part of the psyop of the divisiveness, of the deplorals, of the of the identity politics. So where it's not ideological, like it was with the Tea Party and Obama's socialism, it's it's purely identity. It's purely devoid of that ideological stuff that made the Tea Party and the Ron Paul revolution a threat to the establishment. Everybody can deal. And, and that also was in that Irving Crystal book where what that where the people will uh, demand a conservative welfare state, he called it. So now you're creating on the right, the subgroup that's going to demand, I want mine. They're going to advocate for bigger government and in the name of them getting there. So it's highly polarizing, highly divisive, but it's not ideological anymore. This is a turning point for that. What it is, is it's identity. And that's where you get your, why they needed to create the deplorables among other reasons, and uh, and if if it goes according to plan, and at the same time they're neutralizing the Libertarian Party by uh, letting Gary Johnson blow himself up uh, under the tutelage and guidance of the CFR Hillary Shell William Weld, you know if if this all really works the way it looks like they're trying to make it work, it it will really be a a, a totally fundamental transformation of at at least the anti collectivist true American element that existed in our politics, I think, until now. So you mean the national – as opposed to collectivist global, globalists versus nationalists? Is that what no, you mean? No, I'm saying uh, the American experiment is individualist. So there, there's a – I think it was the Norman Dodd interview uh, for the Reese Commission. Well, it was with G. Edward Griffin. Griffith? Okay. The guy who so the individual versus uh, – uh, Griffin – the 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 collect the collective so people- yeah so so part a psyop that started a hundred years ago at the Carnegie Endowment among others was to cha- transform American society from having an individualist framework of individual liberty economic and personal liberty right to a collectivist framework where essentially controlled government that was well, a collectivist because I had some yes. people ask me about this recently it is collectivist okay. is you put the you put the collective the group before the individual yes it, it all has its origins I read a quote once that said all ideas something like this all ideas are Greek in origin I'm like what I totally didn't get it because I'm not classically educated but I would say morality and politics basically can be at least right now, be distilled into Aristotle versus Plato. And Aristotle said morality and therefore politics must rest in the individual. And so you have, that's why the Catholics embraced Aristotle, was that it's all about free will and personal responsibility. Whereas Plato said the most important unit is society itself and the individual can be sacrificed to that. 
and the philosopher king or whatever, that system will designate your best role for the good of society. And and that's a fundamental moral. I mean, that is the left versus the right in this country. What irritates me is that in this country, we established this country, the foundational, you know, if you believe that it, that you can take anything at face value. Thomas Jefferson wanted individualism, let's say. And that was our experiment. Sweden likes collectivism and it worked for them. I'm not even saying, I I don't advocate for it, but that tiny country with the same culture, the same norms, same values, they wanted to have collectivism and it was working for them. We wanted to have individualism and it was working for us. Look at the 19th century American growth. The, The wealth gap was low, not high. Then... That's not okay. What? So we got infiltrated. I think it started with Lincoln being influenced by kind of Bismarck's Germany or whatever. This idea of collectivism where we have to keep the union together at any cost uh, and the Constitution, individual rights be damned. We need to save the union. He brought that here and and it's taken off ever since then. And then like with Sweden, uh, a genuine good faith collectivism, which I can't believe I've even acknowledged is possible, but I, I think it is was working. And that doesn't lend itself to world government. That lends itself to a smaller unit, not a larger unit. And that doesn't work for the elites either. So that's why Sweden is so in the crosshairs for immigration and that, because that will make a collective system fail. Like you have to, you can't have people. That's um, shared values, shared religion. Yes, because, right. And and if you have a super, super welfare-driven society for the lowest people, the like economically lowest people, and if they have welfare, they don't have to integrate into the society and share the values and everything. So they can just take the handouts and then they don't even need to speak the language. It's really, really, um, you know, granular. It makes the society uh, not cohesive and underproductive. That's obviously a whole nother thing. But the collectivism and individualism, I would say, Aristotle, Plato, I can see that they are internally consistent potentially valid competing moral systems. I'm a total individualist because the power lies in the individual decision-making. Therefore, the responsibility must lie there. Authority and responsibility have to go hand in hand. So uh, so for me, individualism is the obvious answer and just from economics, everything, morality. But, uh, but some people have a softer vision of humanity and think that there can be, that we don't have these people who are driven to power who would exploit the collective. I think that's... You know, right, been proven wrong a million times, but so, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, it, it's also <laughs> what are we based, talking about based on what you said, though, it's important. It's it's not just those two, it's it's Machiavelli, it's 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 the people want the group, but the political philosophy that leaders have followed, and that other like. If you read Walter Littman, uh, Public Opinion, he talks about how the founders of our country were fighting against the idea of this Machiavellian. The Machiavellian has been throughout history what leaders have used to gain and, and stay in power, and generally they tend to, to go towards a collectivist society because it gives them control over, over everything. But using Ma- Machiavellian tactics and his political philosophy is the most predominant uh, political philosophy that leaders uh, in the world have followed uh, since, since, we've, uh, since the rise of yes. civilization. Yes, and I think it's possible that I'm sure Thomas Jefferson used the propaganda techniques of his time, or at least he observed that they were true. But what what Thomas Jefferson was, I think, on our side as far as trying to get this individualism to right. pass. But what's so what I'm saying about the one party now thing is all of the elites now, all the power elite, 
of course, know that Central Power Collective, all that, even Irving Kristol in this article, uh, I include the passage where he says there is no point in winning the elections. You don't you don't care for Republican wins if that Republican is, you know, he didn't say this, but Ron Paul, because then you can't do anything. There's no power there. So promise the people whatever you want to promise them. But the but make sure you have big government because without it, you don't have big power. And this transformation of the right of the American right is what I think this is all about. So the one party now thing, I'm not even saying the one party is Democrats. Hillary has the features of what people think is bad about Republicans. She answers to banks. She answers to the military industrial complex. She does their bidding. She kills with impunity. She laughs about it. You know, so so this one party now, I don't think it's a D or an R. I think it's a C for collective. And you, you might say communist, but it's beyond that. And uh, I think Hillary's a communist. I think she's a total communist. She's actually communist is below the highest level of what this is. Karl Marx was hired by capitalists to create a new society that could still feed the beast. Well, what I mean is she's using communist tactics. She's studied so so it might it's it's still for her benefit and the benefit of the the wealthy, the highest or the people in power, the elite. But it's it's the the communist ideology is what she has shown to uh, pursue her entire life. Yes, and and it's informed by a lot of great work they did over there without the scrutiny of a free press or the kind of ethical pushback that you could think of it as a petri dish for like human psychological experiments. I think Pavlov came from there. He did stuff on toddlers, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. You know? So I had a... Yeah, what I was thinking was... I should clarify for the listeners that I'm not 100% convinced that um, I'm, I don't. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever be, but I'm not. I'm not 100% convinced that Trump is in on. I think I told you my Russian right. spy theory thing is is I believe that in in order to, in fact, Machiavelli actually talks about this. In order to take over a system, kind of like you know, Ron, Ron Paul ran as a Republican for a reason. You have to you have to change the system by entering into the system and changing it from the inside. And I, I believe that the person who is going to be able to to transform the system to fight the globalists is going to have to play their game, is going to have to use their tactics, is going to have to know how to manip- manipulate the media from the inside, is going to have to appear at the highest levels to be one of them. Almost, you know, a Russian, the best Russian spy or the best, the best spy anywhere, you don't realize they're a spy. You think they're, they're on your team. So I, I think the person who's going to be able to fight the globalist at the highest level is going to appear outwardly to a lot of people <sighs> to not to be, you know, just like them. I think it's really difficult to determine. I wonder if that's even possible that there could ever be somebody who could reach that level of success without Bruce Wayne, Batman. <laughs> yeah. Like, is that possible? Is, is Donald Trump Batman? <laughs> is he? I, that's right. I, I, are, are you saying there is a no. chance of that? There's either he's either in on it or he's not in on it. You're saying he's in on it and he's double crossing. You bre- you're breaking up. Say that again. I'm saying I thought the possibilities were that. He was either in on it or not in on it, you know, useful idiot or whatever. But you're saying there's a third possibility that he's in on it and he's going to double cross them. Oh, yeah. Well, that's I guess that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, but there's also the possibility that he doesn't that he he's trying to double cross, but they, they know he's trying to. It's really a deep, complex layer of uh, we of don't propaganda. we don't know. We right. don't we're it's, never going to know the answer to that. But I, I will I, tell you. 
We will know, I think, because the proof will be in the pudding. I think. I, think, you're I mean, we'll know. We'll know eventually down the road. Not but. that far down the road. If if Trump comes out and supports, continues to support things. If he if he supports things like the the, the big war that Hillary is just walking right into. The Wall Street Journal had a big article about. Oh, the next president is simply going to have to have a huge war. Okay, so they're totally setting that up, which I saw coming. If he supports. Uh, Electronic voting. He said that weird thing about the ballots, the maternity leave, uh, heavy antitrust stuff, heavy anti-trade stuff. I mean, these are he's going to play into all this. Well, the anti-trade thing. Those those trade agreements, are, I think, have to get done. They're the culmination of decades of plotting. <laughs> but I think you will see if Trump supports the big government thing in an active way, or if his kids carry on that torch, we'll know he was in on it. Yeah, I think time will tell, definitely. Yeah. But I do not think he's Bruce Wayne. <laughs> I just don't. That would be awesome. You know, people. If he was going out at night and just kicking people's ass. Yeah. They, if he was just secretly like, well, Robin, you know, I'm going to pretend. I'm going to invite him to his, my who wedding. Who would his Robin be? Who would his Robin be? Would it be Ivanka? Like, Ivanka would be his Robin? Yeah. That'd be kind of hot. <laughs> Ooh, oh. Were, oh, didn't he say something weird like that once? Like, she wasn't my daughter. Oh, he said something like that once. He said, oh, anyway. about dating her? Oh, it's, uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> anyway, okay. Robin. I think let's, uh, I think we should probably maybe uh, wrap it up, say what to watch out for. You got any of that? Or are you finished? You want, do you want uh, to add anything? Yeah, I can, uh, what to look out for next week is going to be, it's, it's going to be telling about what, what, you know, it's going to inform us about what this email leak was recently. We'll find, if we, we saw the breaking news story about they're trying to, uh, get them to release the details of the email thing. So look for them to, look for them to give us a little bit more information about these email leaks, about the content that's within them and look for them to not really harm Hillary all that much and look for the next revelation about Donald Trump, which, uh, I, I don't know. It could be that he, he sexually assaulted, um, uh, an Oak tree or something like that. It, it's going to be some ridiculous claim. Ridiculous. Uh, yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's about what I got. That's what you got. Uh, I, on this topic, I would say what to watch out for uh, is, like I said, there were a couple of those articles in the journal saying uh, one quote was a general said, an assault on Raqqa is needed soon, and the airstrikes continue there. Uh, the other article was that Hillary or whatever the next president will have to hit the ground running in Afghanistan. They're, they're just they're watch out for massive escalations of, of military action, troops on the ground, stuff like that maybe even starting before the election, certainly before the inauguration, so that it'll be a fait accompli when that person takes office. Uh, but some totally unrelated things, just three quick hits on what to, what to watch out for in the kind of long term. Fentanyl is in the crosshairs. I don't know why. I know there's some movements towards international chemicals regulation, so probably to favor our chemical companies. I don't know, but fentanyl is a thing in opioids that – is being reported as killing people. They said it reported it killed Prince. I totally don't. I don't really believe. I I don't believe that. I'm not saying I'm for sure, but that just seems something's up with that. Uh, the Bundy Ranch guys got acquitted, which makes no sense at all. When you start something like that, take over public property, and somebody dies, even if the cop shoots the guy, that's felony murder. You went to law school. I went to law school. 
that they don't let somebody dies. The cop is not the they don't. The law does not recognize the cop as the murderer. They say you brought that guy into a criminal situation. He got killed. You are the murderer. So these guys got acquitted. That just makes me think that uh, the whole Bundy Ranch thing, which is a classic example of the art of ambiguity, uh, should you should keep in mind that uh, I think federal land policy will change in a significant way that may not be well reported. It's probably going to fold into UN Agenda 2030. Um, If you want to know, you can go back to Habitat One, a UN paper that says public, private property should not exist in real estate. Anyway, and uh, I think trucks and truckers will be the first one hit by the move towards driverless technology. Right. So who am I going to yell at when I'm winding through the roads in Tennessee in the mountains and a trucker almost runs me off the road? I'm going to be I'm going to be swearing at nobody sitting in the front seat. Correct. Well, you won't be sitting in the front seat either. Uh, yeah, I'll be in the back. <laughs> you'll be you'll be googling something. You'll be you'll be watching Ren and Stimpy cartoons, you know, you're not going to be <laughs> I don't even know what happens. I'll you're not going to know. You're just going to be dead. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> So that's, you know, so that, that's nice. <laughs> that's, what, that's what happens next. We have the driverless cars and then we're dead. Yeah. That somebody asked me the other day, what scares me the most. And I said that the fir- first amendment's completely going away. Once Hillary gets the fifth amendment, the first amendment is neutered. And then, but what I realized after I, you know, later on when I reflected on the question, I thought actually driverless cars to me, will be the mark of the the final totalitarian you know. They're gonna say the beast. Mark of the beast, yeah. All that all the license plates will all say six six six. Yes. No, with Hillary Clinton's think... face on them. <laughs> no, I just think that that's gonna be the end of our independence and I don't know. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> the all end right. of our innocence. Or the beginning, you know, they they really thrive on dumbing us down. You know, I said I said to somebody, I, I he asked me, what do I think is going to happen? Don't ask me what I think is going to happen. It's, I'm going to start with Hillary winning. I'm going to end with you know the end of civilization as we know it. <laughs> I said, but yeah, she's going to take away the Fifth Amendment. We're going to get all this stuff. And I said, maybe that's why they're legalizing pot because they need they just people need to be anesthetized through this process and i think that's actually true i think that is why they're legalizing pot cuz george soros is behind the legalizing pot movement and he's not doing it cuz he thinks it's good for you <laughs> or he's a libertarian no oh, yeah anything george soros is but you don't think george soros just likes getting high uh, yeah, and that he needs it to be legal yeah. in order to do that. He gets the good stuff, man. He I bet. I bet he does. fentanyl for him. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. can get whatever he wants. <laughs> Anywho, all right, what else you got? That's all. Right. I'm good to go. All right, this concludes Episode 8 of The Propaganda Report with Monica Perez and Brad Binkley. Thank you. Bye. Bye.